to Sonic Stories, the show where music, human performance, and life intersect and are shared through personal stories. My name is Benny Collins, and each week I invite a guest to choose three songs that have shaped their life in one way or another, and to share the stories behind these songs and the meaning that they hold for them. Outside of this podcast, I work in the field of sports psychology as a mental performance coach. So that means that I support performers such as athletes, performing artists, executives on working through any sort of mental barriers or obstacles they might be facing and to optimize their strengths to in turn fully realize their performance so they can do what they want to do to the best of their ability and and enjoy it too. But um, the mental performance tip that I'm going to be sharing today for this episode and for this week is the importance and the power of breathing as basic and as simple as that sounds. So for any of you that are into meditation out there, breath work is heavily involved into meditations like mindfulness meditations and others. Um, but a little bit of science to back it up as to why it's, in, why it's important and why it's so helpful for us is that when using a breathing exercise, so the one that comes to mind for me is, is box breathing um, or the set of fours is maybe another name for it, or maybe it's just a, a variation of it that I like to use personally and, and with some of the athletes that I work with. But, um, but what's impactful about breathing exercises is that can actually help activate the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's the one that controls our rest state and relaxation. And while that's happening, equally and simultaneously, it's deactivating the sympathetic nervous system. So this is one that regulates our fight or flight response, that got to stay here and hold it down and and survive, or let's get the heck out of here. And so by using a breathing exercise like box breathing, the set of fours, you know, whatever you like to use, but using it consistently and on a regular basis, that can make a pretty big difference, whether you're an athlete or not. So if, you know, the the example that I think of is, is a soccer player who's doing a penalty kick at the very end of the game during injury time, where it's it's kind of like that do or die time where we need to score a goal or this is going to end in a tie or uh, or whatever the situation may be. I don't know soccer that well. Maybe I should look into that. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, but but that's one of those moments where taking a breath, gathering yourself, centering yourself, controlling your heart rate, getting more oxygen into your system to help you feel more in control and make better decisions thinking of it from a cognitive standpoint, that's a huge difference maker. And the same could be said if you're having a heated conversation or just a hard conversation with a friend or loved one where you feel some anxiety or some stress rising inside of you, taking a few breaths, taking a step back and gathering yourself there equally as important. So I charge all of you around this holiday season to take some breaths. Sometimes hanging out with family is not that enjoyable. Sometimes they're brothers and sisters, parents, whoever they may be that get on your nerves, old habits, but take a breath and you'll be all right. But moving on to my guests for this week, I am joined by Mr. Jeremy Arambulo. Jeremy is an LA-based cartoonist and musician. His latest graphic novel, A Challenge, was self-published through Kickstarter, and he writes and records music as Fluorescent Beige. He also plays with Born That Guy, They released their latest record, Three, in early 2021, improvised at Chicago's Electrical Audio with Steve Albini. This chat with Jeremy was so great. I felt like I was a young kid sitting in front of a great storyteller because he, Jeremy has just this wealth of knowledge about the arts. And by that, I mean a wealth of knowledge about music. And you'll definitely understand that when you get to hear the conversation that he and I had about the songs that he chose, but also in the world of film and TV, The first time that he and I met was only just a few months ago, but we had a really fascinating chat about the the movie series, The Matrix, and how the first one is in 99, the newest one is coming out here uh, within the next several days as we look into middle, uh, late December, 
but it was just so fascinating to hear his perspective on those films, what they meant for the culture at, at the turn of the millennia, for, for people that are trans, for diversity, if you think about the cast. And so it was great. He may not even remember that, but I definitely do, clearly. So without further ado, here's Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. How is how is your day going? How's your how's your Thursday? Good. Uh, like I had mentioned before, I just like walked through the door and um, just um, uh, yeah, just uh, enjoying a relatively cold, cool winter day in LA. <laughs> really? What does that even mean? Because I don't, I don't think I think I've been to LA during the winter months, but like, what is a truly cold winter day in LA County? I mean, it's it's so relative because like for people here because the weather is pretty much the same 99% of the year when it actually does dip below 50 degrees, (laughs) that's like freezing to people here. And I guess me included, like since I moved here, my skin has gotten so thin. So Mm. I'm definitely part of the uh, LA contingency that like probably has a little too many extra layers once it gets below a certain temperature. So yeah. Not proud of that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because and it also rained for the first time in forever the other day. So it's been kind of overcast and kind of, uh, this can't be interesting to anyone outside of LA, so I'm going to stop <laughs> talking about the weather right now. But yeah, I'm good. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I love it. I love it. So it sounds like you're also not a fan of small talk. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about the weather. I mean, again, I, well, I, I feel like there's something more insufferable than an LA person talking about LA weather because again, the weather is just pretty much doesn't, it doesn't change. So anytime there's a slight fluctuation, uh, you just happen to be catching me at a a time where like a rare day where it's actually not how it usually is. Like, so um, I'm just a little thrown off by that. And it's also the holidays. So there's that I'm like trying to, uh, make sure I got my um, holiday shopping and whatnot before uh, next week. And yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. Nice. Cool. Well, we'll, we'll skip, we'll skip the weather because this is, this is <laughs> well, I mean, talking about the weather now, I'm like curious about how, because now that I've been uh, belly aching about how it is here, I'm sure it, it, I imagine it must be much cooler where you're at probably. Right. It's, I mean, it's actually not. So as you, may, as you may remember, I'm in Austin, Texas. And so, oh, that's right. I thought, yeah. I thought you were on the East Coast. My bad. No, yeah. No, no, no. No problem. No problem. So today um, is high 70s, low 80s and humid because there's like oh. some rains that are coming tomorrow and Saturday. And so Mother Nature's up there just all verklempt, as one might say, just all, all, there's all this condensation stuck in the air and it's just humid and it's gross. So I'm really excited for the rain that's going to come. Um, but, but no, I mean, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I'm used to real frigid cold and a full on winter where it's, you know, mm-hmm. sub-zero and it's, you know, the day after tomorrow, you know, all that, all that good stuff. Who's in that, who's in that again? Was that Jake Gyllenhaal? I forget that one. I, I know the title, but I don't know who's in it. Yeah. yeah it doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's go back to talking about the weather. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh cool i'm right. happy to be on this weather podcast <laughs> i know i know i've been joking with some other guests like let's just make a whole other podcast about stores that have fallen under business like grocery stores or let's make a podcast about <laughs> mel brooks or 
Mel Gibson, whatever, all over the place. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's let's do what I, I asked you to do. Let's let's get into these songs. How about that? So yeah. um the first one that you had sent me in this list of three is called Tame by the mm-hmm. Pixies. And I remember when you and I first met in person in September, it was in Baltimore, we're talking about music. Like I feel like 90% of our conversations were about music, which is super fun. But mm-hmm. I remember you definitely mentioned the Pixies a few times. Do you do you run pretty deep with the Pixies, would you say? Yeah, I think they, they hit me at a perfect time. I mean, I guess, I'll, yeah, a, a lot of music hit me just at the right time. Um, maybe any music appreciator would say that about themselves regardless of when they were born. But uh, I feel like for me, um, I, I guess um, to, to, to sort of set a um, set up how how hard the pixies hit me, um, I guess I had to mention Nirvana because Nirvana hit like, you know, when they showed up, obviously, like they changed so much about um, uh, rock music at large. Um, I Because I guess they arrived at a time, you know, right at the beginning of the 90s, post hair metal a lot. So like, you know, like I, I can't say anything that's already been said ad nauseum about when Nirvana hit and like the effect that happened. But for me, I um, I was just at the perfect age. I was like 12 or 13. So like that kind of teenage angst and like the whole grunge era was just like, it was like perfect. I could not have been at a better age and place for that to um, really deeply affect me. And uh, regardless of whether I knew exactly what they were talking about lyrically or whatever. So, you know, I went through the entire nineties, you know, um, with the grunge or alternative rock type thing. Uh, so, I was pretty late or relatively late with the Pixies. The Pixies only existed from, I think, the mid 80s, like 86 to like 91, I think, in their first incarnation. And I was completely unaware of them during when they were active. Uh, And um, but all that stuff that I was exposed to in high school, um, they were all influenced, like, you know, your Nirvana, a lot of the grunge band or just bands in general I think a lot of them were influenced by the Pixies but um, being a kid and you know pre-internet I had no real contact like I'm sure I heard their name but I I was more kind of just exposed to all the bands that were influenced by them and um, so when I finally did hear the actual Pixies it was um, when I was in college uh, and someone gave me a you know, I'm dating myself again. I mean, I already started right off the bat dating myself. <laughs> like, you know, like one of the my first exchanges um, as a college student in like 96 was um, someone giving a tape, giving me a tape of uh, uh, Doolittle by the Pixies. And that song, Tame, is the second song on it. And it musically is just this weird distillation of... Um, almost a cartoonishly simple distillation of the whole uh, loud, quiet, loud thing, which has kind of been a dynamic since music began, I guess. But in the context of like the whole grunge thing and alternative rock or whatever, I guess they, they really kind of um, set that template in terms of um, 
um, what what that is within rock music of that era. And it's cartoonishly simple in that, yeah, it, it, it couldn't, the dynamics couldn't be more um, hit you over the head. You know, these like whispered verses and then these crazy discordant bombastic screaming choruses like it doesn't get any more uh loud quiet loud than that right. and um yeah it, it's almost offensively simple <laughs> but uh but i still love it and i also um be, having grown up through the 80s as a kid the recording of that album to me still sounds like an 80s album like it was recorded in like the tail end of the 80s like 88 89 or whatever but to my ears, um, hearing it now and, and even hearing it, um, you know, in the late 90s, it's, it, it's this really curious combination of 80s production, but there's still a rawness and kind of an unhinged quality about it. And I feel like a lot of stuff, like sonically, what turned me off to a lot of stuff in the 80s is, was how clean everything sounded and kind of clinical so that combination of that 80s production and how unhinged the song is overall is endlessly fascinating to me. Like it, it, it distills so much uh, to me in terms of uh, what I love about uh, rock music and the, dy- the dynamics of it and just how kind of, again, like cartoonishly the, the dynamics are of, of that particular song and, and, and the juxtaposition between his... In, Frank Black's insane howls and Kim Deal's really warm voice, even though it, it only kind of shows up at the second half or end of the song. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I find myself constantly coming back to that song and the um, the um, tension of it. it mm-hmm. It's endlessly fascinating and fun to me. I mean, e- even just the, him screaming that word, because I couldn't tell you what the hell he's even talking about. It's just like this weird nonsensical nightmare surrealistic imagery like a lot of the uh songs they were writing at the time um and to this day i couldn't i almost don't want to know what he exactly what he's talking about (laughs) but just screaming the word tame in and of itself is a kind of tension because it you know it's a weird word it's a fun word to scream i guess but you know the word by its definition tame it's a weird thing you know it, it, that in and of itself has a tension to scream that particular word. Sorry, I, I'm rambling. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly what you are here to do. So you are, you are A plus, like we could just cut it. We'd be, we'd be fine now. But no, that's great. And it got me thinking about, because um, I remember you had mentioned when you got the tape, this is the second track on the tape. Was this the only song on that tape that had this kind of dynamic of incredible loud, power and noise and then softness and gentleness as as kind of its counterweight it, it was actually the whole album doolittle like they i, I think i don't because i don't think it was the actual cassette i think i dubbed it from like a cd that they had mm-hmm. and um and again like to this i i have trouble and i don't know if this is because i came of age in you know in the time of cds and digital music or whatever but um, there aren't a lot of albums that I could listen to straight through, but to me, I was going to say that whole album is one of the few albums I could listen to, but that's actually not true. For me, that first side 
Uh, and I think that both the cassette and the, and, and the record are, are split the same way, side A is side B. Um, but that, that side is like a perfect side of music to me, like that um, sequence of songs. There's seven songs on that first side. That's the second song. But the way that those songs are sequenced and just the quality of those songs to me, just as, as one side of music, I find myself revisiting constantly. So out of context of the album, the song itself is like this kind of cartoonish uh, depiction of the loud or, or, or cartoonish example of loud, quiet, loud kind of uh, grunge template or whatever. But um, as part of that side of music, it's just perfect to me. There, there's something about that sequence in, in side A of Doolittle that it's just I, I keep coming back to. I can't even really elaborate why there's just something about how those songs sound, those seven songs sound together. That is perfect to me. And I'm coming from a place where I, I don't really, I don't know how many people these days have the attention span to even just hear even just one side of music. I feel like uh, because we live in like the streaming times now, I feel like most people I know just kind of go song by song. It's, it's hard to get, grab people's attention for even just seven songs, you know, like, you know, 20, 15, 20 minutes of music at, at mm -hmm. one time. Right. Yeah. And, and I hear you when you're saying that it's hard for you to, to describe and like fully elaborate on the, the main powerful qualities of those seven songs. So I, I have this little thought experiment that I want to try to see if we can pull those, some of those things out. Cause I'm really curious as to like, what is the story there? So let's imagine like, you're walking down a sidewalk on a on just let's say regardless of the weather you're walking walking down the sidewalk if the first song of of this a side starts playing what is the weather like and what is the scenery like it, it just reminds me of uh i have this very specific memory listening to this like on my walkman and it's a really sunny day in boston and I'm in my drawing class. I'm just drawing like an environment. Uh, I think it was like a guard, like a like like almost like a Japanese garden somewhere in Boston, probably down the street from my school. So that's kind of what I see is a cold, sunny East Coast <laughs> day of drawing. Sure. Uh, you know, because there was also that excitement of, um, you know, like a lot of college kids just being in a new city for the first time being on your own uh, so all that was compounded with you know new sounds and new experiences in a new environment um so maybe that's also kind of what i carry with me you know in terms of my memory of that song is just the excitement of the new you know of being at that age and and, and everything being kind of open because, and what's weird is that, um, like, I was like I was saying earlier about how I perceive the sound quality of that, is that it seems weirdly tied to the, I mean, even for me back then, you know, in the late, in 96 or, or whenever I first heard it, um, back then it already seemed tied to the past and um, also timeless. So, um I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. So that's, that would be kind of like the first 
the first song and the story behind that as far as like the feeling and the memory. But I'm curious as to what songs two, three, four, five, six, and seven would be like. Because it's it sounds like because you had said it's kind of like the perfect compilation of seven songs. Oh. So like what's like take me for a walk. Like I, I'm like give me this experience if you can. Yeah, because the first song he is, because um, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't have heard that song at a better time because the opening song on that album is uh, Debaser, where he, he's just screaming about um, uh, this short, this short, uh, this silent film from like, I think the 20s, uh, Un Chien Andalou, Andalusian Dog by um, Salvador Dali and uh, Luis Buñuel. And um he's literally just screaming about things that happen in the movie, like slicing up eyeballs and he's, he's laughing maniacally. And it's kind of this frenetic song, but there's an energy to it that just pulls you in right away or pulled me in right away. And, and then, um, you know, that's a very uh, crisp three minutes (laughs) of just taking you through this weird surrealistic nightmare of a song, but it's like, you know, pretty uh, kind of major key and, and bouncy even though he's singing about these like horrific surrealistic things that happen in the movie. Uh, and, you know, and that, that and it takes you right away into the, um, the really awesome kind of tension between uh, the two vocalists, uh, Frank Black, who's screaming and, and Kim Deal, who's just kind of seeing these beautiful melodic lines over it, you know, often at the same time. So right away, you're just kind of like, I guess it's going to be a theme throughout whatever I say in music, say and do in music. It's just, I, I'm always attracted to that tension. I, I, I think the, I don't know how much the music I had been listening to before, like pre Pixies as a kid. Um, like there's something about their dynamic that crystallized something that I, I had been kind of craving and will probably continue to look for in music, which is that sort of tension between um, ugliness and um, beauty. And I think being uh, at that age, you know, I, I guess I was in my late teens then, um, it just kind of set a tone in my, like that, that a tone in my brain that won't go away in terms of uh, what kind of scratches that itch uh, sonically, um, that, 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 constant kind of um push and pull between discord and um warmth so um that's song one (laughs) um and then the song uh i I told you about tame is the second track which is again is like this kind of super brief um um what's the word I, i i guess just uh it's it's almost like uh like uh, cliff notes for people who just want a snapshot of um, the general tone of grunge or alternative rock. Like this is what it is, like right. in a nutshell, like in, in as brief a time as possible. Cause I think that song clocks in like under two minutes. It's very quick. It is, it is. And then the song after that is also quick, but a lot more melodic wave of mutilation where he weirdly sings about El Nino. I think years before I was even aware of the weather pattern of El Nino. I don't know. And just like that, we're back to the weather. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back to a weather podcast with Benny and Jeremy. How are you doing? But um, uh, so th- yeah, that's another nice 
much more pleasant ditty, which is almost like a palate, almost serves like a palate cleanser to how discordant and violent team ends on. Because uh, that song is, yeah, it's just, it's also brief, but it, it's almost like, yeah, kind of candy compared to the weird screaming nightmare of Tame. And then um, that's followed by a song called I Bleed, which is a little more kind of back to the creepy stuff. But um, it's, again, made palatable by um, Kim Deal's voice, which features just as much as um, the, the sort of default front man of that group, which is uh, the screaming maniac, Frank Black, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, it's hard to describe that song. I think it's about vampires. I don't know. Again, I'm not like really a big lyric person. <laughs> I'm almost um, willfully ignorant of a lot of words in music. And that tends to be a problem when I'm actually making music or trying to write songs because I, I, I place so little importance to the words and songs. But anyway, and then uh, that's followed by uh, Here Comes Your Man, which is just a straight up perfect pop song because i remember hearing that might have been the only pixie song i heard as a kid or or or, or at the time of their existence it was such a catchy song that i actually thought it was a cover which is probably a a good sign that you wrote a catchy song if someone hears it and and they're like that can't be their song (laughs) like i thought it was like a Beatles song or something like it, it was so catchy that um yeah i didn't I, I, for whatever reason, when I heard it, I didn't register it as a contemporary song. It sounded like a cover of an older song when I first heard it as a kid or when it first came out. Because uh, I feel like that was maybe one of their only songs that got a little bit of radio play in the late 80s, early 90s. But um, And there's two songs left on its side. And uh, that's followed, again, by kind of a heavier song called Dead. And it's just um, it's just Old Testament Bible weirdness. Uh, again, I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but it's just a lot of weird, violent Old Testament imagery. <laughs> and uh, uh, and um, and then the last song and is uh, probably maybe one of their most popular songs, um, "Monkey Gone to Heaven." And again, I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but it implies a lot of heavy things because there's a bridge and, you know, the bridge goes, if man is five, then the devil is six. And if the devil is six, then God is seven. He screams that numerous times before going back into the chorus. Again, I couldn't tell you what the hell he's talking about, but it, it evokes certain things where whether it's Old Testament or the God and devil or whatever, but um, it's enough for me to glom onto it especially as a younger person and just attach whatever meaning to it and, um, you know, add, add that to the heaviness of what it actually is. Um, I don't know if I'm making, I'm I'm not making any sense. I don't think. (laughs) No, I'm with you are, you absolutely are. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I think it may have seemed like that just because the sequence of these songs is it's just a winding road. There are some, like you said, there's one that's a perfect pop song. There's one that's that feels like it's a cover of, a, of an older song, but there's something that's very heavy and talks about the Old Testament. Like, that's that's a zigzag right there. <laughs> that's all over the place. So, yeah, but but yeah, one thing I was thinking about with this, as you're kind of moving through that, thinking about the Pixies as a band and 
you mentioned there was like a five-year period, probably like 86 to 91-ish was their first incarnation. And you're a creator of music too, and obviously a big consumer of it, but how has the Pixies influenced you as someone who first picked up a guitar, first started playing the drums, and so on from there? Uh, I, I think for me, um, well, there were two things about the Pixies, a few things in terms uh, superficially that stuck out to me. Um, was that they didn't really look that cool. <laughs> like they, to me, they sounded amazing. But if you saw a photo of them, you're like, you know, they, they weren't what, at least at the time in the 90s, they weren't what you would imagine. Because again, having come up in the Nirvana or like grunge era, these dudes look cool, you know? They're just like, these all, and, but it was, and it was mostly dudes. That was the other thing is that like, you know, as, as simplistic as, um, um, music categorization was, you know, um, it, it was very much um, like, thank God things are way more integrated now in terms of gender, race and whatnot. But back then it was still very much like a bunch of like white dudes with guitars pretty much, you know? So the immediate thing that stuck, stuck out to me when I saw a, like a photo of the Pixies was, oh, there's an Asian guy in the band. And then even more crazy, you know, as a Filipino American, oh, he's Filipino American. And, uh, and right away, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think I even knew of any Filipino Americans in a cool band that I grew up listening to. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm missing one or two, but that was the first time where I was like, oh, this band rocks and that guy is, of the same background as me that you know i you know as an asian american person of that generation you know like a lot of people just glomming for any kind you know seeing myself in anything because it was mm -hmm. rare uh and um you know and the fact that um kim deal's presence in that band was so heavy and, and so much of what appealed to me about them because if it was just frank black screaming about these insane things or whatever you know, that would only go so far, but the only reason I kind of stuck around for any of that noise um, was all her contributions to uh, that band, you know, being kind of a counterpoint to, uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of violence of his delivery, you know, uh, that, that was immediately captivating to me you know, as a kid, and it's funny to say that now, because I feel like that formula has been done to death. <laughs> like it's, so, it's kind of almost like a cliche now, but uh, to me at the time, it was just so fresh. And um, so, yeah, that, that, that's really what stuck out to me about them in particular. Um, I, I kind of needed that, um, you know, in terms of like representation and in terms of, um, it not being purely a attractive white boy club, you know, <laughs> it's like this, this group of weirdos that just were doing something, you know, independent of their backgrounds or their appearance or whatever. They were doing something that was already so captivating to me that the fact that they had this diversity in terms of, um, you know, you know, the, 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 the people comprising that band was like an extra, extra bonus. <laughs> Right. Yeah. 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 The representation goes a long way. And, and I think also when you see someone of that stature in a band that you really like, it, it definitely invites you to do more or to 
kind of make, try to do something with your own talents in the way that that person did. You know, it's like he, he was a part of this band, made himself like prominent in a very well-known band. And then for you as a listener, as a, as a young person, it's like, well, damn, like, why can't I go do something cool now? Maybe <laughs> I have the power as well. And, and it just goes from there. I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's something that's definitely happened with me. Yeah, because I think when you're younger, you're you're looking for permission. You know, you're you're not bold enough yet to 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 feel like. I mean, God bless anyone that that is young and and, and feels like they don't need permission. But you know, I grew up in a way where um, I was always looking for some kind of validation. I think I, I think in in terms of um, you know picking up an instrument or whatever, because um, you know again like representation matters in that way and that like sometimes you need to see someone that looks like you doing the thing that you're kind of interested in and uh I was really hesitant for for years to you know because because I didn't grow up around a lot of like with the exception of like the occasional family friends I would uh grow up with um you know I, I grew up in like a pretty predominantly white area like in, in, in Long Island in New York and um you know I didn't know a lot of other Asian American kids who were listening to a lot of the stuff I was listening to, even though, you know, I also have a deep love for like the early nineties hip hop and stuff, but, um, you know, I feel, I always felt a not guilt, but I don't know. Like I very much was aware that the bands I was listening to, like, uh, they were for a certain audience and I don't know that I'm that audience even though mm. it's like what I like it what I liked at the time you know I always felt like kind of an outsider in the thing that I loved which is a weird feeling <laughs> right. yeah so hmm. that's a tough position to be in uh, it's it also depends on what you're um, exposed to. Because again, like being pre-internet, you, you kind of just stumble into the things that um, you find yourself loving, you know? Like you could really... I mean, the, 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 the infrastructure was there if you really want to dig in terms of like fanzines or, you know, um, like local music communities or whatever. Like if you want to do the work to find um your tribe or whatever um it wasn't that hard you know I don't want to act as if I like came of age and like the dark ages you know <laughs> like I could have done the work to sort of um you know find my niche but um you know like I just kind of took what was sort of fed to me I had a certain level of curiosity but more often than not um pre-internet I kind of stumbled into the things I would end up loving and there is a magic to that looking back, you know, because you, you can't go back to that, you know, that those times will never exist again, you know, <laughs> like the Pandora's box of the internet is forever. Like this is, you know, yeah. everyone has access to everything all the time now. Um, so, you know, it is with a little bit of nostalgia, I look back on that time, uh, even though there's a part of me that's like, oh, wouldn't it have been great if I heard, you know, this band that I now love so much had existed at that time, but I was like, like, like the Pixies, like I, I didn't, I, w I was aware of them like after they broke up, like, you know, a few years after they broke up, but there was that part of me, I was like, God, if I, if I actually was hip to this 
as a kid, like just, you know, four or five years prior when they were an active band, you know, not like I, you know, I still would have been too young to go see them live or anything, but like, just to be aware of that at that time would have been amazing, but you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know, whatever. But like, it's, it's funny to sometimes entertain that thought. It's like, man, that would have been interesting. Like, I, w- I wonder what roads I would have gone down if I, uh, you know, knew about A, B or C at that time, but eh, that's, that's like anything else, I guess. Yeah, you know, it truly is the, like the whole thought experiment of thinking about alternate timelines of if you would have, spent more time with this group of friends or if you would have picked up this instrument or you would have you know as you get into your let's say mid to late 20s if you would have moved to x city randomly like what it's just it's very fascinating to see where things have gone or where they could have gone i should say um yeah but let's let's keep cruising on so let's get to bachelorette by bjork do you listen or have you listened to bjork at all or ever i'm a very much a fringe listener when it comes to bjork i feel like bjork has either has either slid into a couple of playlists on spotify unbeknownst to me but i have a weird memory thing so when i saw the name bjork it's just like it very very much stands out to me so i'm like oh yeah i've i've heard bjork but it's probably it's probably also fair to say that i've heard one or two of of their songs in the last three years but just because of that name recognition, I, I guess I can say I've heard Bjork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think this song is just another, I mean, it, t- to me, um, the, the live experience of it is just as heavy as the song itself because um, I was fortunate enough to, uh, the first time I saw her, uh, again, this is like back to college days, it was like 97, 98, uh, when this, that album, Homogenic, came out. And um, I'm pretty sure that when I, before I, I, I even saw her perform the song, I, I, I'm pretty sure, I, no, I know I already, I already loved this song. It was already like one of my favorite songs. It's just this, you know, again, this is an, yet another bombastic kind of torch song. Not, well, not that Tame was a torch song, but this is, you know, it's funny. I'm not. I'm talking about lyrics, even though I said I'm not really. I know. Too. You rattled off like a lyric like really quickly. But go ahead. Like um, the thing that really the, the whole song is kind of a steady burn towards the this this even like the whole thing is pretty bombastic, but the ending just destroys me every time because you just kind of it results in these like very operatic kind of high notes, but you know, the words leading up to that just kill me. I don't know. I mean, at the, at the base of it, to me, it just seems like a, like a bad breakup, breakup song, I guess, on the surface. Uh, but there's those last words that lead up to that bombastic kind of just her just kind of howling these high notes, you know, at the sort of um, crescendo ending of the song. What are those words? She says, like, um, I'm, I'm a tree that grows hearts, uh, one for each that you take. You're the intruder's hand. I'm the branch that you break. And as you just howls after that, it's like, you know, e- even if I wasn't totally conscious of those words when I saw it live, when I saw her perform it, you know, it was like at this theater in Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, it was the one and only time I've ever been to Worcester. And uh, don't think I'll ever go back there again. But 
Uh, apologies to any Worcester listeners, <laughs> but <laughs> we're at the Palladium in Worcester and um, we got there super early. And so we were like, at the like right on the stage. And, and it was my first time seeing her and just her voice just cut through me. Like she just has this piercing, I don't know. I don't know if I have an aversion to um, obviously trained musicians and someone like her with her voice and you know not even talking about her talents to the songwriter and arranger and all that but just just the power of her voice um it's a little rough around the edges but there's like this undeniable range and power to it and experiencing that live it just hit me like a I don't know if you guy almost cussed. I don't know if you cussing, but I, I will refrain from it. But it hit me like a brick. Like it, it just is so embedded, deeply embedded in my uh, ever, uh, ever devolving memory. <laughs> it, it remains like this kind of crystalline, like that show. Everything about that show, and um, you know, I could feel myself. <sighs> like at the risk of sounding corny, just like falling in love. <laughs> sure. Like not, not even, you know, to, to this stranger, but just the sort of the character she's portraying and, and her expression of that feeling in that moment. You know, I, I, I just felt like my heart just go out to this person, you know, who's just crying out. I don't know. It, it was just, it hit me so hard. Uh, it's hard to explain without all the um, hyperbole and corny descriptors, but yeah, that's kind of, uh, that song is still heavy to me. Yeah. I, and also like, like that's love. Like love sometimes is like kind of this inexplicable thing. At least it is for me where it's just like so damn powerful, but, um, but as far as swearing, you got the green light. So whatever, <laughs> whatever kind of language you want to use to like fully express the stories, that's cool by me. And I'll just slap the old explicit content sticker on the episode. And it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, uh, if I can, I'll try, I'll continue to try to keep it PG 13. Yeah. All, all good. All good. Um, <clears throat> but, but yeah, so, I mean, just listening to you describe that, it gave me some chills, but how do you, how do you feel now if, remembering back to that show remembering the moment of what it felt like to get sliced up by the emotions in her voice and her voice and then that feeling of love that you mentioned like how does that sit with you now years later it, it's just um looking back it's a rare thing because it's not like it's that's something i feel um you know i, I go to so many shows I, I, i've just been lucky enough to live in cities where you know there's constantly am, uh, amazing shows um, happening in them. Uh, and I go as much as I, you know, my time and wallet will allow me to, but that's a feeling that's rare and it should be, I guess. I can't be walking around like an open wound all the time, just <laughs> reacting so, you know, heavily to everything. So, um, you know, it's good that these kind of intense um experiences are rare I think they're supposed to be uh so it makes them special and um you know I, I, I for, for for a song like that that was done in I think that came out in 97 9, 97 I think um a lot of stuff from that era 
especially when it involves like electronic beats and stuff like that, uh, they tend to be dated. But when I hear that song now, I mean, arguably, you know, you, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree if you told me that it sounds dated. But when I hear that now, it still sounds pretty fresh to me. And I don't know if that's because of the combination of like the electronic drums and the, you know, acoustic string section. It it's it sounds incredibly dense, but the elements themselves, I don't think, are is is that mu- I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know how big the string section is, but when you break down the individual elements, it's actually not that much. You know, it's like a drum machine, like sample or whatever, maybe a synth, and just a string section and her vo- and and just her one voice. That's it. But to me, it just sounds like as big as anything I've ever heard. It sounds enormous and and just i mean i hate to use a word but it's it's epic you know <laughs> it just sounds huge it's just this cinematic kind of widescreen presentation of a song to me and um you know i think i'll always love it for that it, it, i'm glad that it hasn't at least to my ears doesn't sound dated because i feel like it's something that i'll always enjoy um because sometimes I mean, oftentimes you age out of things. Or sometimes you look back and say, oh, I liked that back then. And it's, uh, well, I liked it because I was, you know, that was a time of my life. But uh, the songs, and, and I got to say, like picking three songs, especially for a, you know, I guess a music nerd like me is like really tough. Yeah. <laughs> like I find myself like revising those three songs like over and over again for like an hour. So I'm like, and even when uh, when I pick my third song, I picked that at the very last minute. Yes, up to, I will get to that later. But uh, there there is a maybe similar sentiment of a song, and uh, uh, like almost as I was writing the email to you, I swapped it out at the last minute, uh, only because it, it was what I was listening to at that moment. But um, but yeah, that, that that's kind of where I'm at with that. You probably get to edit this. I feel like I'm rambling way more. <laughs> Don't worry about it. This is this is all about it. This is your method of storytelling, and I am just enjoying the enjoying the the show essentially. But <laughs> with but so with so with Bachelorette in comparison to Tame by the Pixies, you mentioned that with Tame, that's a song you still come back to like semi periodically. Mm-hmm. What about Bachelorette? I I do um, only because of. Um, I, I was going to say I, I love dramatic songs and I don't know that I do <laughs> because it is very much it is very obviously a bombastic dramatic song uh, a different level of bombast obviously from something like Tame which is kind of just this violent and cartoonishly dy- dynamic piece of music but um, something like Bachelorette is just this kind of steady dramatic burn and um no, just the, the the words and the way the way her voice sounds in it, I, I, I keep coming back to. Um, I don't know if it's because it's, it's a sentiment that I unfortunately keep coming back to <laughs> as a uh, single person moving through the world, but uh, <laughs> it is always a kind of welcome uh, acknowledgement of feeling. Absolutely, uh, for worse. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. And whether you're seeing somebody or not, love is is a thing that's always present. I would say, 
because we're we're consuming things that have either been that have been made by love i guess just put it simply and that could be food that could be music that could be a movie like these are all things that people create with love and there's like a transference there and that you know love is like almost like a language in itself that we get to know it over time by consuming all these different things and so that totally checks out to me on why you you know you do come back to it and you do connect to it too but but yeah i mean i, I listening to the song today it was my first time ever listening to the song and i was like man i could use a hug <laughs> and it, but it was in, in, in the best way possible like i didn't feel like i was beat down but it was just like wow this is a this is a song that i'm feeling things too and it was it's kind of special in that way i would say so i guess that's that's a thank you to you for just bringing it to my life I, I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that um, I, I, I've been rambling like a maniac, but like, please, like, I would especially love to know if any of these kind of, you know, if you have any criticism about these songs, like I haven't asked you enough about like your opinion on these songs. I'd love to know what you think, uh, whether it's like not your cup of tea or and I'm glad. I mean, you mentioned like needing a hug after hearing a song like Bachelorette. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, or at least it made you feel something intense. But like, yeah, I mean, please sound off on um, if you have any strong opinions about any of these songs. Like, I, I would obviously love to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that that is what I would say for for Bachelorette. I will let you know how I feel about the third song once we get to it, because that was mm. a song that struck me the hardest for sure. Mm. And I'm and and I'm very have you excited heard it before. I have a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. So not a serial listener by any means, but once I, I think it was after a few bars of hearing his voice and I was like, Oh God, this is that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I it was just like instantly, I just like something sh yeah, shifted and clicked. We'll get, we'll get there. Um, I'm, should we just go there now? Should we just, yeah. we just, all right. Okay. All right. We're switching gears. So mm -hmm. this final track is called doomed. And it's by Moses Sumney. So uh, first, chronologically, do you know when this song came out? I want to say 20. I mean, and that was the other thing is like, I knew from my last song, I'm like, I need to get out of my college era. <laughs> like no more 90s <laughs> shit. Like I, time to live now. Uh, and um, so the song I was actually that that was on my third for a while, and again, like like I mentioned before, I changed it at the very last minute because I happened to be listening to a version of uh, Doomed uh, on this really beautiful new release that he put out, where um, he just did he just performed this uh, concert, uh, Moses Sumney, uh, um, just in the forest. I forget where, and I'm blanking on the name. I think the name of the album is called Black Alicia, I think. I forget. It just came out. Mm. But he he just moved his band into the woods and they just performed in the woods. I think it's like during like during the pandemic, like during like lockdown times yeah. last year. And he put out put it out as a uh, live album, but not in the conventional sense because you don't have like a crowd of people like applauding. They're just they're performing live but they're in this like just in the mountains and it sounds be like they are playing their ass they sound amazing and the sound quality is great and the performance itself is just you know i'm sure if you 
when you play in a place like that, it, his songs are already heavy, but I imagine that being out in the woods, you know, everything just kind of, <laughs> you know, you, you get yeah. to be more in touch with a certain something, you know, whether it's the sort of inner darkness or whatever. But um, so, yeah, I, I happened to be listening to that. But the song that was actually on my list before I swapped it to that was um, an Angel Olsen song. Um, there are two versions of it. Um, but the one that's been destroying me just as much as this Moses song is her song. Um, so I almost feel like I'm cheating talking about a fourth song. That's fine. Well, as long as we steer back to Moses, I'm cool. Yeah, like uh, it was her song, uh, Forever Love. Off, um, uh, I'm blinging on that name too. Whole New Mess. Uh, it's weird because she, she released like almost the same sequence of songs as two different albums, just one with her and a basic her and a guitar and one with her and a full orchestra. Uh, but the, I mentioned that because the effect that song has on me is similar. Well, actually, I don't even know if it's similar. They're, they're both pretty heartbreaking, um, heavy songs, but um, to me, uh, uh, I, I went with the Moses song because this is also tied to a live experience because I feel like I've seen him perform this live maybe two or three times at this point. Um, I don't know if he's LA based, but he's definitely played a lot of LA shows. And, um, you know, when I saw him perform this uh, end of October, so pretty recently. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen him perform this before, but like, there's something that show was weird because he, he was saying things from the stage just in terms just with his crowd banter that was alarmingly relevant to things I was feeling in my life at large at that moment and it was eerie oh. like using very specific things like uh like he's making jokes about like hooking up with your friends or whatever and and, and, and you know polyamorous relationships and 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 I was like it's just these really specific jokes and and the person I was with and the things I was going through at that moment was just like too close to home. And then he, I mean, the whole show was amazing, but when, when he launched that song, I almost just burst out into tears because the song just even on, on the, just, just the audio of it. I mean, whether you watch the music video, if you're fortunate enough to hear and perform it live, it, it is a lot. It's a lot, you know, it, it's just this music, like a, uh, uh, Instrumentally, it's just this, this almost ambient wash. And it's just his voice. Like, it's just very, very minimal. And the things he's saying, um, and maybe this comes back to the whole tension thing, but because this album came, or this song came from an album called uh, Aromanticism. And that's a term and word I never even heard until that album came out. I don't know if this is something you're, you ever heard or familiar with. No. You know, it, it, I, I'm going to paraphrase it badly because I, you know, I think I like literally Googled it or something like So I only know like the, the very, very surface level of what it means or what it implies. And, um, you know, it's like, it's like aromanticism, asexuality, like, a, you know, it is like the mm. absence of that thing, you know, so like a, your inability to feel um, romance, sure, or, 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 or um, 
feeling, um, I don't know, indifferent to it maybe, or, 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 or it's elusive. I, I don't know exactly, you know, to get into the finer points of it, but that's generally what it is. And um, for me to sort of hear that term and to hear his expression of that in this song, you know, cause the chorus is, um, you know, I, I, I can tell you what the verses are exactly, but the chorus is definitely hits you over the head. You know, those words where he's um, asking um, if my heart is idle, am I still vital? Am I doomed? And, you know, hearing that to me as a person that moved through most of my young adult life, um, not, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have had deep relationships and romantic relationships, but to me, that's in the past where I stand now. Like ever since I moved to LA, I've struggled to find deep connections romantically. And that's like well over a decade. I mean, it's embarrassing to speak personally, but why not? Because this is a pretty personal, personal song to me, and I shouldn't be that ashamed or embarrassed to kind of talk about these. But you know, it basically took um, a once in a millennium, or no, once in a century pandemic and uh, multiple decades of bad decisions to sort of get to a point where I'm trying to sort of finally be honest with myself in terms of my difficulty with um forging meaningful romantic relationships at this point and you know for him to kind of crystallize that feeling not that you know i i don't know that i would like categorize myself as an aromantic person or you know love averse or whatever term you want to put on it um but regardless what he's singing about really hits me and especially the way he's singing it because these are very vulnerable um sentiments and what what what's an interesting counterbalance to that is his just kind of unbelievable command of his voice there is a confidence and beauty to how he sings that almost seems counter to what the vulnerability <laughs> of what he's expressing. It's, it's a strange combination because he's almost effortless, especially when you see him live, it, it, the way he, you know, those notes and those sounds come out of his voice yeah. <laughs> almost seems superhuman, but he's singing about these just painfully human feelings. It, I don't know. <laughs> It's just incredibly raw and incredibly real. And I think to, to how, you're, how you're speaking to the sound of his voice, when I first was listening to it and was reminded of other Moses Sumney songs that I've heard, it just reminded me of kind of what you're mentioning as far as just the raw beauty that his voice has, but also there's like a level, such an intense feeling of fatigue in his voice where it just sounds like someone who is so emotionally spent and he's giving the last couple of breaths of energy that he has into those lyrics and into those songs and that is so just like so beautiful it, I think it's like that is 
what superheroes are made of in a way, how they're like giving the last of their efforts to do this one thing that they feel like they're born to do. So bold, so courageous, and so determined. It, it's an interesting combination to, to have that kind of virtuosity and, but, but, but yeah, but, but be open to me and being that vulnerable. I mean, you know, the, 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 there, there are so many examples of that, but uh, speaking to now and people that are out there doing it, I don't know if it's easier or harder for people to be vulnerable now. Maybe on a certain level, it's easier because everyone has, you know, post social media has a platform and maybe we live in a time where people are more comfortable just kind of being open, maybe, I don't know. Um, but um, I guess it's hard to sort of put a metric on that. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know, like, I, Oh man, even talking about that song, I almost want to cry. <laughs> it's like when I, uh, if you if you can, definitely seek out that uh, live album I was talking about because um, all the versions of that song are beautiful. But that version in particular, when I, when I was listening to it the other night, you know, when I was emailing you, um, it really just hit me. It hit me really hard. And um, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, there's a lot I could say about like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to get too personal here. <laughs> yeah, whatever you feel comfortable with, whatever whatever your limit is. But I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I, I hope it is an invitation for you to hear more of his stuff, and hopefully you get a chance to see him if he plays in Austin anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I am absolutely gonna take a little peek at at whatever he has on social media as far as like if he has any tour dates linked anywhere or, or the website just so I can keep up because I feel like any there are I'm thinking about one guest in particular that I've had on the show so far on how there's a song that he kind of has used to get him to an emotional place to process things into kind of like further his emotional self in a way and I feel like Moses Sumney has the power to do that for for somebody and so I feel like this is an artist that I can turn to if I'm at some sort of emotional crossroads and I need some sort of inspiration or I need just a gentle nudge in the right direction to open up and be vulnerable and really feel what's what's going on, even when I don't want to feel those things and I want to just, you know, put up a wall and be like, oh, I'll deal with it later. Or, or I'll just say that when I don't plan on dealing with it at all, <laughs> because that's often what we do sometimes is just avoid, avoidance coping 101. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into the intensity that is Moses Sumney. And I think it is, it is so, it can totally be both where it's intense and it's beautiful. And I think it's, it's like a perfect storm. I think it's just so great. Yeah, I mean, cause um, ugh, I, I, I keep wanting to go into, all right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, if it's on the tip of your tongue and you want to share, you can. But like I said, whatever your limit is, man, this is these are your stories. No, I, I, I'm glad you dig it. I, I hope that you get a chance to see him because I feel like every every time I've seen him perform, it's something special. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his voice is a truly a gift, as the kids say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Has yeah. 
when did you first get turned on to Moses Sumney? Do you, can you remember the time when you first started listening to him or had heard a, his, like a first song of his and you're like, oh, this guy has something. I want to keep up with him. I don't remember, actually. I, I think I somehow stumbled upon him when his first EP came out. Like, just like, I think it was just like home recordings. Like, it almost sounded like he recorded it on a four track or something. It's like very lo-fi, but already you could just hear how amazing his voice and his, his songs were. Um, that was a few years ago. I feel like he's been active for maybe just since like 2014 or something. He's still okay. relatively... Uh, new in terms of being out there but um yeah I mean the thing I was gonna say is that <laughs> I, I, I was I was with some the last time I saw him I was with somebody that like all the things that he was singing about and all the banter he was making was exactly what I was going through with the person I was with at the show so that's and a that's like, a whole other layer of intimacy right there yeah it was brutal <laughs> so, oh, no. so like you know I, I had this kind of like heavy conversation after the show with this person and then um I, I, I was uh performing a show the next day and um you know I didn't expect this person to show up to the show because I thought that maybe you know whatever we had said after the show that was it you know like well I'll see you whenever maybe never and she comes to this Halloween show and then like I didn't you know, I played the show, but I was so kind of thrown by her presence that I played so heavily that I cut my hand accidentally on the drums. I was playing drums and singing at the show. It was like a Halloween cover show. We were playing uh, Misfit songs and that I, I literally bled all over the drums because like once that cut happened and I'm playing these fast songs, you know, there's just blood everywhere. And it was just like a horror show. And, but I just kind of powered through it, you know, just from the adrenaline of playing the songs and just kind of, you know, this is like a show I was really looking forward to playing for, for weeks or months leading up to that point, you know, especially in post pandemic times, like I haven't had a lot of opportunity to play in front of people. So I was like super excited uh, to play this Halloween show of just misfits, you know, fast punk songs, but it just got all messed up at the moment. And then afterwards, um, you know, even though the person showed up, they just were gone. And even though this is not someone that I had a particularly deep um, connection with at the time, there's just something about kind of what, my relationship or you know call it what you will then my friendship or relationship with her represented that you know on top of me just kind of literally bleeding and opening up and just being kind of um just open in general just between seeing uh, Moses perform the night before having this kind of sort of heavy sort of heavy-ish conversation with this person and then having this show experience and, and, and literally bleeding <laughs> out yeah. like all these things did the intensity of all these experiences at once you know in those 48 hours I just kind of had this um really intense breakthrough at that moment and um I've been sort of recovering from it since uh because it's sort of it was like the culmination of all this kind of heaviness 
uh, leading up to that boiling point, which I'm kind of still processing. Um, you know, I mean, we're all living in heavy times, irregardless of our own personal lives. I mean, it's just a tough time to be going through pandemically, politically, whatever, <laughs> economically, it's, it's heavy for everyone right now. And, um, you know, but for me, having gone through these personal struggles and having it culminate in this sort of explosive way in, a, in this pocket of time, um, I guess that's why that song came up because I'm, I'm still also processing, um, you know, like I mentioned before, just like a, a long line of years in terms of, uh, you know, what led me to where I am now. And it's hard to sort of, um, I don't know, it's an ongoing thing. I don't know. I, 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 the, the long and short of that whole ramble is that uh, I'm currently processing a lot of uh, transitional kind of life changes right now. <laughs> so uh, talking through these songs is a funny way to kind of continue processing that. So thanks for letting me ramble about it. <laughs> I will let you ramble about it all day and night because it's been, it's been great. And I will let you know, even though I am, I am younger than you, we will always have these transitional times in our lives, whether there's a pandemic or not, or whether there's you know, a president in office that we may not agree with or whatever is happening, just whatever is happening. Like that is like, there's a constant state of change. And I feel like when we start to resist the change, that's when stuff starts to get itchy and tough and can potentially suck. So yeah, I guess, I don't know if that's going to put you at ease at all, but. but. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, I mean, it's just a funny time to process things. It's like, Everything just feels heavy. I don't know. Everything seems it does. big. I don't know. And no, you're, uh, you're right on, man. Like I, I have been shouldering some of those things too. Obviously, you know, different circumstances for you and I and completely different people, different lives, but existing in the world that we live in today is hard. And I think anybody that says that like, oh, life is easy. Like it's, it's like, well, first off, you may not be a part of a minority group. And secondly, you're just living a different life and everybody's life is different. And maybe it may, maybe you do have some great days. Maybe you don't, but there's always somebody out there that just isn't having a good time enjoying life. And that's, that's a bummer. And so it just, it just makes me feel like there needs to be like more goodness to be spread out there. And I think music is one of those things that can help us heal and help us get to some breakthroughs. Kind of like you had mentioned you had had. So I'm glad you told me about um I'm glad I'm I'm flattered and glad you invited me on the podcast but like um I I do I mean I I listen to a ton of podcasts in general but I I have an especially soft spot for music uh podcasts and it's funny because uh before we uh chatted uh I I was just listening to a music podcast (laughs) right before that um just these uh these guys talking about um the Beatles documentary, which I was so ah. riveted by that just hearing people talk about it, talk about it is <laughs> equally riveting <laughs> because ever since I watched it, I've watched it twice at this point. I've already been at a point where I just want to talk to people about it. But mm-hmm. uh, a lot of my close friends have just, uh, not only did they just watch it, but they're all kind of flying out to their families to spend the holidays together. So I'm like, 
I gotta, I gotta find someone to uh, ramble with about just uh, how amazing that documentary was. I don't know if you listened to Beatles or if you watched it, but man, it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I think there's, it's a, it's a three-part series. Is that right? Yeah. Get back. Yeah. Yep. I've seen the first half of the first part of the series. So one, one sixth for the mathematicians out there, but <laughs> it gets know, way better because it starts out as a bummer, but once you get into two and three, it, it becomes joyful. But yeah, that first one's a little tough because also it drags a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, but maybe, I mean, that's that's very well maybe what I'll do tonight. <laughs> so, so yeah, that'd be great. But no, I mean, I guess just to tie to tie a bow on it, Jeremy, I just want to say thanks to you for bringing some amazing songs to the table and sharing the stories behind the songs and opening up about the things that were going on in your life, especially with with Doomed and just that whole, that whole circumstance. Like, I find that to be so fascinating and like it's a good it's a good story whether it's for a music podcast like this or just a good story in general like that's that's just so intriguing and great so big thank you to you but before we close out there's one thing i like to pose to everybody that hops on which is is there anything that you're excited about right now or anything that you want to share out to the masses any words of wisdom at all <laughs> being that you know i was just belly aching about my own personal struggles i wish i had more wisdom to share with people but right now um i guess if i had to impart anything from what i'm going through or experiencing that um it's never too late to uh work on your mental health that's all i'll say about that <laughs> again it, it took it took me decades of uh bad decisions and a pandemic for me to finally um you know try that therapy thing that i heard the kids talking about <laughs> hey man, there, there's a lot of things i don't like about what those kids are doing these days but when they talk about the therapy thing they've i'm co-signing i'm, I'm on that so I'm, that, I'm, that, that. I'm happy to hear i'm happy to hear that you're you're taking charge of, of your mental health that's great yeah and you know yeah it, it's never too late for that and you're never alone um that's uh, one thing i learned um not necessarily the hard way, but it, it took being really humbled um, to know that I'm not alone. So never feel like you're alone. Uh, I, I think uh, if, if you if you do feel that way and you take at least take the smallest amount of effort to see what's around you, uh, hopefully you realize you're not alone. I don't know if that's a downer or I'm trying to end up, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's all I got. That's uh, great. That, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We're ending with something real. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show. I've been looking forward to, to having you on. When I, when I can see this, there's like little pockets of people that I wanted to invite where there's like work people that I know, close friends, friends from a different place I've lived in. And you are in that that pocket of one of those subgroups right away. So again, I just want to say thanks to you for hopping on. Thanks for your time. And yeah, just showing up with some real stories, real stories. It, thanks for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. And I apologize in advance for all the editing you have to do. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to touch a thing. Oh, no. <laughs> awesome. All right. Take care. Yeah, you too.
If you're still listening, thanks a lot for listening to this episode. It's been a really fun start to the podcast, nine straight Thursdays, nine straight episodes. And I've had such a great time meeting with all these different guests. And so what I'm going to be doing is treating myself, even though I don't need to be doing a good job to be receiving any sort of reward or giving myself something, but I'm going to give the gift of a break. And so what that means is I'm going to take the next two, maybe three weeks off over the holidays and through the new year, come back in 2022 stronger than ever with some great guests. I've already been in contact with some out there, and I'm really excited to bring those conversations to light. So in the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones, enjoy yourselves out there, be safe until next time.